Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we'll analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season or only one episode. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. The chair always makes that noise. Really? There's a lot of good lines, and you went with the farty chair. I went with the farty chair. That's the one I had a note on. Welcome back to Freaks and Geeks. Yes, welcome back. We are back from doing Sailor Moon, here to bring you part two of Freaks and Geeks. This will be episode six through nine. (laughs) Yep. Nice. So we will be halfway through the show by the end of this episode. Yeah, we're doing 5454. Yes. Uh, So let's start by doing a little bit of admin. Yes. (laughs) We got a new microphone. So if we sound better, I just wanted for all of the tech nerds to be like, oh, I think it sounds better. It does. We got the new microphone. Things are great. Uh, Also, we're back to sitting in our proper position because I. I was not enjoying sitting side by side because it's way less organic. Yeah. Now we have eye contact again because I have the good mic. Uh, additionally, uh, we have already recorded our reaction to episode six. Yes. So there's going to be some time travel involved in this episode. We're going to throw it over to us in the past and then we'll come back to us here in the present. So I just want to just warn you that that's going to happen. And now let's pour one out. So, I have a traditional Scandinavian karsk, mm. uh, because their uh, McKinley High's mascot is the Norseman. Right. And we do spend some time with the mascot. So, it is coffee. It's traditionally coffee with moonshine, according right. to the internet. Uh, mine is coffee with uh, gingerbread spiced rum, because that was the That's strangest thing. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean... I went through our freezer to find things that I had put in your stocking. Nice. Last Christmas. How is it? Pretty good. It was a pumpkin spice coffee mm-hmm. uh, from my good buddy, the Wawa. Ah. And so the pumpkin spice and the gingerbread showed me how... Oh, yeah, that sounds good. ...alike those flavors really are. Uh, I have uh, the finest pop. Because ah. we will come into this uh, a little bit later that uh, the finest pop is a line that's coming up. So I wanted to make the finest pop. So when we went to Wawa, I got a bunch of different sodas and put it into one cup. This is vanilla cream soda, along with some strawberry root beer, along with some cherry Coke, along with some orange Dr. Pepper, and then a little bit of coconut Malibu. There is a light ombre to it. Yeah, there there is. Would you like it to try? It's a lot. Yeah, I do actually. Your brain's going to have trouble processing all those flavors. Hmm. I get a lot of Malibu. It might... I wonder if the Malibu sunk. Maybe the, the Malibu sunk content? for a bit. I mean, like, you're already starting with Dr. Pepper, which is 23 different flavors. And then all the other things getting thrown yeah, in. Yeah, but I think I got majority coconut on that. Yeah, it, there's a lot going on in that. But it's good, and I'm, I think it's going to make me pretty hyper. 
Yeah, I actually, um, uh, we took a little bit longer to set up with the new microphone. Right. So I also have a soda with me because I drank most of the coffee. Yes. Before we started. So now let's get into episode six of Freaks and Geeks. Now, before we throw it over to us in the past, there was one thing that we meant to bring up that we forgot to record. So we're going to do that now. Uh, This episode opens with Kim Kelly talking to, I believe, Lindsay. Yes. Telling a fun anecdote about her brother. Yes. I took 20 bucks from my mom, right? But she thought it was my brother. She completely went nuts on me, hit him over the head with a spatula. I mean, it was hilarious. Sound it. Now, this would have aired without Kim Kelly is my friend. Yes. So, most people watching it would just think it's a fun anecdote. Yeah. But knowing what we know about the brother and how her brother got brain damage from the police... This yeah. is not a funny story. No. It's actually quite upsetting. Yeah. And like, Kim Kelly is my friend is an important episode to not air. Yes, because a lot of stuff happens in that episode. So that was the thing we wanted to bring up is that the next episode, they kind of throw that in. Yes. So that's all we have to say at the current time. Uh, we've already recorded episode six, so let's throw it over to pass us to get our analysis. Uh, This next episode is called I'm With The Band, and it aired on November 13th, which is a week later. We're still, this this group kind of started to air, you know, kind of close to each other. We don't have uh, these big long gaps yet. So we open on Nick in his garage playing along with an audio tape with like lights and smoke. And I actually have, it's Bo Burnham's inside. Yeah. Like, he's in it, because all of these lights are really there, and we hear him playing along and singing back up to a Rush CD, a Rush tape. Yeah. Nick's father comes down and sees what's actually happening. The lights are all there, Mm -hmm. and the dry ice, but Nick is off-key and sucks. Yeah, and all you hear are, like, random drums. Should we just kind of do this the same way since the freaks and geeks don't converge? This is the most separate that they are. So yeah, I think we could do it the, the same way for this one. All right, let's, um, do you want to do the geeks first or the freaks? Uh, let's, let's, it's called freaks and geeks. I guess we start with the freaks. Okay, cool. Uh, we get that little like cold open and, and uh, there's one scene that has nothing to do with anything, but I need to throw it in here. Yes. Um. We see a scene in the cafeteria where Millie and some guy are talking about, if you can't say no to fun, you'll have a, what a beautiful morning you'll have at our production of Oklahoma. And uh, Noah and I both visibly die inside. Oh no, Millie. Because they're in these like, they're in the crappy Oklahoma costumes. And my high school had a tradition that you wore your costume to school on opening night of the musical. Oh, there, there was just there's something great about Millie going, "Come see our performance of Oklahoma," and Nick going, "Oh no!" And she says a comment about if you can't say no, and I was like, "Tell me, Millie was Adu Annie, please," because Adu Annie's entire personality in that show, you know what she can't say no to? Men. Yeah. It's a great song. Um, Ali Stroker does a very great version of it. 
Anywho, I just wanted yeah. that moment because yeah. it made me laugh. After this moment, that that's just kind of the setup for when we cut to the freaks all sitting at a table kind of having a conversation. Yeah. And I go, let's call it. We're five minutes into this episode and there are no repercussions for the any of the episode. actions here. Uh, Nick and the band are going to go rehearse for Battle of the Bands. And the band sucks, but they're in Nick's basement. And Kim and Lindsay are, like, sitting on the couch watching them rehearse in, like, the most stereotypical thing. Mm-hmm. The only thing more stereotypical would have been if Kim had a tambourine. Yeah. And uh, Nick is like, Lindsay came up with some names for the band. And it's like, Anarchy's Child, Mission Control. Honestly, decent band yeah. names. But they all get turned down. Yeah. They're like, well, what are you going to call us? Mathletes? And I've been thinking ever since that was said, Mathletes is a great name for a band. Yeah, but it's not a great name for a band in 1980. It's not. but It's a like, great name for like a 2000s emo band. It's still a great band name. Like, Mathletes open for Weezer. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be great. Anyway, uh, Nick's dad comes down and we find out he's military and that Nick is not supposed to be playing after 5 p.m. And the rest of Nick's friends bolt. Yeah. And Lindsay agrees to stay and wait for Nick while he goes and talks to his dad. Nick needs a C-plus average and he is going to be essentially uh, forced to join the army. Yes. Because his dad's an army man. maintain that. He, like, understands and... He's upset. He comes downstairs and Lindsay tries to act like she wasn't listening. And then Nick picks up a piece of laundry and screams into it. <laughs> Nick, Nick comes down. Are you okay? <laughs> no! Use your gigantic eyes! So then... Lindsay kind of gives this, like, nice impassioned speech about Nick's passion for drums. And she's like, you should believe in yourself. You can do anything if you believe in yourself. And Nick's like, no one's ever said that to me. He thanks her. She smiles and says, we're like, we're not that different. Except you're going to be a famous drummer someday. He asks her to come with him. She agrees. And we we kind of get this moment of, like, oh, okay, things are going well between them. So they're talking at Nick's house, and she says, like, look, you guys need to practice more if you're going to win this battle of the bands. You're going to have to actually be good. Yeah. He's like, oh, thanks for saying we're not good. It's like, well, you're not. She's like, you know, you are good, but you're going to need to be great. Mm-hmm. And there's a nice moment. Linda Cardellini has to, like, stand on a box. Yeah. To be in the same shot as Jason Siegel because mm-hmm. he's, like, a foot taller than she is. And... Uh, Nick goes, like, Daniel's not into practicing. And Lindsay kind of goes on this monologue about how hard they had to work in mathletes. Yeah. And Nick, the next day at rehearsal, wants to push them. He wants them to be good. And Daniel's like, fine, we'll play the stupid song again. And Ken's like, this is so much fun. I'm glad we're in a band. Yeah. They complain about it. Nick says it sounded better. Yeah, they they actually improve. And then Kim's like, you're a real piece of work, Lindsay. Ken's like, you made this into homework. And Nick's like, it sounds better now, though. Yeah, yeah, you are improving. They call Lindsay Yoko for wanting the band to practice. Danny actually has a speech about how he's not into trying. Yeah. 
Like, it's going to sound however it sounds when I play it, or it's not going to happen at all. Yeah, like, Daniel, Ken, and the third ge- the third freak, who we don't give his name, Yeah, all quit. And Daniel has a great line of, You are a dumbass, Andopolis. Rock and roll don't come from your brain, it comes from your crotch. And if you ever got any Mr. Cute shorts, you'd know that. Let's get out of here. I quit. Fine! Guess that means I quit. Danny, Danny quits. Daniel quits. And Seth Rogen's character, uh, Ken? Ken? Ken, just goes, that means I quit too. Because they are working so hard to make sure Ken doesn't have any character traits. Well, the next scene we get with them is Ken sitting alone uh, on the smoking patio with a pile of sunflower seed shells. That, that he's just spitting into the air. Yeah, and like a lot of what he says are like spitting instead of lines. And he's like, thanks for breaking up the band. And she's like, I didn't break up the band. Like, oh my god, I'm such a monster. I wanted you guys to be good. Do you think the Who never practices Teenage Wasteland? Yeah. And he catches the one thing she says wrong. Mm -hmm. Instead of addressing her point, he internet boy argues with her. I didn't break up the band. I just thought you guys should learn one song. So you admit it. Yes, I admit it. I... God, how could I be so awful to suggest that you actually play an entire song correctly all the way through? God knows Zeppelin only plays half a stairway to heaven, and the Who never even practices Teenage Wasteland. Baba O'Reilly. What? The name of the song is Baba O'Reilly. It's on Who's Next? So she's sarcastic about how crappy they all are. Daniel shows up and's like, come on, Nick doesn't need help. Let him have fun before he ships off. And Daniel just kind of is giving up and is like, oh yeah, Nick's going into the army. Yeah, like we, we're just going to accept that and enjoy the time we have. And my note here is, Daniel, what the hell? So then we, we go to after school. Lindsay asks Nick why he wasn't in English class. Like, they'd be in the same English class. Yeah. Like, I was a Lindsay academically. I don't think I was in any... Like, you might have had, like, gym or music or one of the, like, like extracurricular type classes. But, like, she would have been... They just were talking about these tracks. Right. She would have been in track one and he would have been in track two or three. Mm-hmm. So, Lindsay holds out a flyer that she has found... A band called Dimension that had opened for Jethro Tull the previous year uh, was looking for a drummer. Like, he is super excited. He jumps his own fence. He hugs Lindsay. And she goes with him to the audition. And uh, Paul Feig is in the band. Yes. Who's, oh, I also found out Paul Feig was Mr. Poole in Sabrina the Teenage Witch. So I have to live with that information and so do you. And we walk in as the previous drummer is finishing up auditioning, and he does well. Yes. He's good. He does, like, a little solo at the end. And they're like, thank you so much, Paul. We will be in touch. Mm. And you kind of get the impression that, like, Paul has nailed it. And Paul's probably going to get a good call later. They invite Nick to jam. Nick suggests Sunshine of Your Love. Yeah, which is the song he had been playing with his band. And they wanted to use a different Cream song. Yes. He spins the drumsticks in like a real showy way and they're like, yeah, cool. Mm -hmm. And he absolutely bombs the audition. Well, he doesn't absolutely bomb. 
like they start playing and then they stop and they're like a little bit tighter. And he's like, okay, tighter. And he doesn't know what that means. Yeah. So they try again and they stop and they're like a little bit faster paced. And he went, oh, okay. And then he nails it for a moment. Yeah. Like there's a moment where like- He's vibing. They're all vibing and it gets real good and then it falls apart. So like they do a good job of being like, it's not like he's an embarrassment. He's just not there yet. So then when he, he doesn't quite nail it. Uh, The blonde who's in with the band rolls her eyes and Lindsay just kind of cringes. Mm-hmm. And in the commentary, they talked about how this was supposed to be a parody of feel-good teen shows where, like, you follow your dreams, but they kind of had Nick suck instead of secretly being magical at it. Yeah. But apparently the commercials for this made it look like a follow your dreams episode. Oh, really? So they really were just breaking everyone's heart who watched it. Yeah, so she, she, like, so we kind of get this moment where... She's, he's like very bummed out and she's, and Lindsay goes like, well, what are you going to do? And he goes, join the army, I guess. And she gives a passionate speech of like, I'm not going to let you, I'll help you get your grades up. This scene is so strange. Yeah. Because Lindsay keeps saying things to like, try to help him. And Nick just keeps pacing around going, I'm going to go to the army. That's what's going to happen. I'm going to go to the army. As if Lindsay's not there. He's not. He's panicking. I have a note that is like, is Lindsay a ghost? Like, do they? does she not realize she's dead the whole time and that no one can actually see her? Because that's how this scene seems to be going. Oh, man. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm never going to be that guy. I'll be lucky if I get to be the guy who pushes the button and makes the riser go up. But I'm not even going to be that guy. I'm not even going to be that guy because I can't even keep a C-plus average, man. Well, Nick, I could... I can help you get your grades up. He's going to make me join the Army. Oh, man, I'm going to have to join the Army. I'm going to be surrounded by a group of psychopaths like my brothers and like my dad. Nick, come on. It's not going to happen to you. I wouldn't let it. Oh, my God. I'm done, man. <laughs> like, maybe they weren't on set the same day or something, because it's all over the place. Which I know is not true, because then they kiss. Yes. Uh, and Jason Siegel almost crushes Linda Cardellini's head with his giant monster hands. So, so we have this end talking the next day, and he says, like, how much the kiss meant, and she's glad... And then tells her that he's made up with the rest of the group. Yes. They They came over last night and we talked. To support him because he knew he had a bad audition. So they go out to the smoking patio and everybody claps and roasts Nick, who like starts cracking jokes about himself. He's like, I think I killed their love of music. And Kim calls Lindsay a slut for kissing one dude she's known for a while. Yeah. And then Kim's like, I gotta pee. And then grabs Lindsay for girl talk. And she's like, I heard you jumped him. And that's like an interesting plot point of like, what did Nick say happened? Yeah, I think it's it's kind of just an element of, for the first time, Kim can actually relate to Lindsay on something. Yeah. And Kim's like, oh, oh, I could talk about 
being a slut. <laughs> like, it's weird, but, like, it's the only time where Kim honestly wants to talk to Lindsay about something. Yeah. So, this whole part ends on another imagined spot for Nick, who hasn't totally given up on his dreams yet because Lindsay's supporting him. And he's like, I always play better when you're here. Put in another brick of dry ice. Yeah. And Lindsay just sighs and she's wearing gloves and she just picks up another piece mm. of dry ice and puts it in front of the fan so he gets the smoke effect. Yeah. And she almost gyms to the camera and you just get the impression she's like, oh no. Yeah, it's very clear that like he's delusional. Like his drum kit is 29 parts. Yeah. And like, I think in episode one he says he has four kick pedals, four, yeah. four bass drums, which is useless because he only has two feet. Yeah. So, like, this is dumb. Like, the fact that he has four bass drums is really stupid because Metallica yeah. uh, has one bass drum, but they use two kick pedals. Okay. To get that, like, sound. The fact that he has this giant kit shows that he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. To end it on him being like, put more dry ice in, shows that he didn't learn anything. Yeah. Because what he should be doing is scaling down so he can focus. But he's not doing that. Yeah, Animal doesn't need this many drums. Exactly. The best drummer. Mm Mm-hmm. Except maybe Dave Grohl. Anyway, so let's get to the geeks. Uh, Yeah, so now that we've gone through the the Freak storyline, I want to remind you that... This storyline is being cut to interspersely with the the freak storyline. Sam and the geeks are being told they have to shower after gym now. Because they're now training for the presidential fitness test. And uh, Sam doesn't want to be naked in front of... The rest of the class. Uh, Bill and Neil... Uh, at first are like, Bill, at first it's Bill. Bill's like, I feel smelly and I kind of want to shower. And Neil's like, no, I don't, I'm not going to do it either. And eventually Neil and Bill are like, we're just going to shower after gym because we do feel gross. Yes. Because what's the worst that could happen? And then they get like relentlessly whipped with towels. Yeah. Uh, cause they talk about how Sam has body hair. Uh, Bill is wearing a big robe. Bill is wearing a big robe because he started hitting the gym. Oh, so he looks too big? He didn't look right for how Bill needed would have needed to look. So that's why they put him in a robe. Because they couldn't have him... Uh, Be buff. Exactly. They actually said, like, they were talking about him potentially discovering he was good at a sport later. Oh. To justify what he would look like. If he kept going to the gym. They actually asked him to stop, and he did not stop. Uh, was showering after the gym really a thing? Because it was never a thing in a school I went to. Uh, to be honest, I was kind of the Sam. This is embarrassing, but I'll admit it. I was the kid that wore his gym clothes all day. Ew. Yeah, so I was just like, I don't want to change for gym, so I'm just going to wear my swishy pants all day. Uh. And don't worry. If they got too hot, oh, if they zipped off at the knee and became shorts. I, Because uh. <laughs> I remember when we started having to change for jam. And, like, don't get me wrong. I didn't enjoy this process. Mm. But, like, I can still smell the miasma of Victoria's Secret and Bath and Body Works body mm. spray 
that was just thick in the girls' locker room. Like, because the girls would change, but we never, like, the district I went to did not shower after gym. We had to shower because we had a pool. We, so we oh, would Oh, look swim. at you. J.D. Rockefeller with yeah, your pool. I had a pool. So uh, we were covered in chlorine, so we had to shower, but we were also already in swimsuits, so we just showered in our swimsuits. Which makes sense. Like, if we had had to shower, that's probably how most districts would do it now, to reduce, like... God forbid somebody has a camera phone now in the locker room. Right. So I, they probably could not do showering in a school now. Yeah. I have a, I have a longer version of that story, but this episode's way over, so we will move on. Yeah, so everyone keeps towel-whipping Bill and Neil. Uh, Sam tries multiple times to escape without showering. He tries to wet his hair in the sink. Yes. Because Mr. Fredericks is going to look for wet hair. Yeah, he pretends to be sick. And Fredericks is like, fine, Go. Go get your Academy Award in the way to the nurse's yeah. office. Uh, he hides in a bathroom stall. This Which, one's weird. This one's weird because Kowchewski comes in and uses a urinal. You don't see anything. You just see him from the back. Sam moves. And Kowchewski's affronted someone's in the bathroom. Yeah. And then looks over the top of the stall. Yeah. A thing that would get you fired if not arrested. Yeah. It's very awkward. So, uh, at one point... Uh, the boys are outside eating ice cream and watching two jocks with their girlfriends. And they're kind of like, what do they have that we don't? And we get this scene where Sam's parents keep telling him he has a beautiful body and they make Lindsay tell him. And Lindsay is very funny and likable in this scene and goes way too far. Yeah, She's like, Sam, you have a beautiful body. I mean... If I weren't your sister, my God. <laughs> and uh, John Francis Daly's like stank face was a meme for a little bit. Oh, yeah. From this scene. And it's very funny how like far she goes with it. And then Sam finally accepts that he has to shower. And we get like showdown music. And it's very... It's like, uh, White Room by Cream. Yes. It should be very clear the 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 way that this story should be told. Boy is afraid to shower. Boy gets the courage to shower. Overcomes adversity. Finds out it's not a big deal. That is, of course, not what happens. Alan bullies him and throws Sam out a side door in his Star Wars towel. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, we see Mr. Fredericks flirting with a female gym teacher. Yeah, because th- that's why, like, he's not there to break up the bullying. Yeah. Sam tries to get back in. Alan opens the door. And grabs the towel out from around his waist. Yes. Leaving Sam completely butt naked. Yeah. He has a blue circular sensor over anything we don't want to see on a 14-year-old. Yeah. Because that's how they censored in the 70s. They went Mm. with a period-appropriate blue circle that moved. And they also thought it was funnier than pixelating. Yeah. Because the blue thing would move with him. Yes. Uh, So that's... Uh, they had the actor wear a flesh-toned Speedo. Okay. And the uh, Daly was really uncomfortable with it, but eventually he just ate lunch in it and he was just cool with it. Yes. So he's banging to try to get back in to the locker room. And, and then, then he... remembers he has shorts in his locker. So he makes the choice to run naked through the hallways to and get to his locker. So many great reaction shots of... Millie crosses herself. Oh, yeah, because, of course, the bell rings. Yeah, and everyone comes out. Cindy's at her locker, and he goes, Oh, 
oh no <laughs> we don't hear it but we see him saying that and finally like he just i guess runs away naked we don't see him oh no he comes back into the gym and he's behind well, a giant white ball. i want to stress this out he runs to his locker he gets yeah. there but cindy's there so he, that's when he says oh no so he he says, oh, no. i was expecting karen yeah, we. What a great moment to bring Karen back because we know her locker's next to Sam's. Yeah. But we don't see Karen at all. He says, oh no, he runs outside. Yep. Which really blows my mind. And then he runs back into the gym and hides behind like a giant white ball. And <laughs> Mr. Frederick sees him and goes, Sam. Weird. Sh- showers that way, weird. Showers that way, which is. Not how you would react to this. On top of that, the math teacher sees it, and his response is, why? Not, oh no! <laughs> We're all going to lose our jobs! <laughs> he says, why? Anyway, we're going to be learning about uh, the quadratic formula today. <laughs> so, we see them after school, and Alan starts picking on him. He's like, we had a lot of fun today, didn't we, Weir? And is picking on him, and then a car pulls up with a bunch of cheerleaders and jocks in it. Mm-hmm. And they go like, yo, you streaked through the school. That is so cool. And You're they like the applaud. man, Sam. Yeah, and they applaud him because streak, this was like when streaking was trendy. Yeah. And Alan is furious. And they all they actually do point out, uh, this was one of the few big victories for a yeah. character in the show. Sam at least usually has some small to medium bittersweet victory. Yeah. Outside of the Halloween episode. Because when he's running through the halls naked, I actually said, well, it's a good thing that uh, there's no continuity in this show because this would be a a life Life ender. Yeah. (laughs) Right here. All right. And now we're back. This is, uh, we've now discussed episode six. Let's talk episode seven. So one of the first things that I want to bring up is that in the real people world, not in the world of freaks and geeks, almost two months elapse between episode six and episode seven. So they've already had a month off, right? Yes. Because of the World Series. Yes. And now they have essentially the holidays off. Wow. So the episode six airs in November of 1999, November 13th. Okay. Uh, Episode 7 does not air until January 10th. Now, in the interim, they have made the actors who play the Weir family go, like, do the Thanksgiving Day Parade. They were in the parade? Yeah, on, like, the lamest float. If you're dreaming of a white Christmas, throw in a little spring daydream. Macy's float captain, Lucille Rumo, leads the Garden Fantasy Tour with Mother Goose and Mistress Mary and the cast members of NBC's popular new hit comedy, Freaks and Geeks. Becky Ann Baker, John Daly, Linda Cardellini, and Sam Levine. It might as well... Okay. And uh, the actress who plays Jean Weir, the mother, actually says, uh, people were yelling, who are you? Because <laughs> Freaks and Geeks was so unwatched. Oh. It was such an obvious, like, saving throw. And they, I, I looked at it and they call it the hit comedy. The hit comedy Which, Freaks and Geeks? At that was really neither. It was neither a hit nor a comedy. I will say the second. So I wanted to set up that episode seven was being treated essentially as a second pilot. Oh, okay. So we're just show. trying again because 
They didn't want continuity lockout if you had not seen the first six episodes. Oh, God forbid. God forbid we had continuity in this show. But I just wanted to set that up, that this was kind of supposed to be more of a reintroduction into this world. Okay, that makes sense. So we open on Mr. Rosso, the guidance counselor. Yes. Trying to connect with the freaks. Just trying to connect with all the freaks. And he whips out a guitar... And starts playing I'm 18. Do you know this song? Lines form on my face and hands. Lines form from the ups and downs. I'm in the middle without any plans. I'm a boy or girl and I'm a man or woman. I'm 18. I get confused every day. Don't know what to say. When you're 18 and someone tells you they love you. Oh, wait, wrong. That's the, yes, that's the wrong song. Oh, no. But what's very interesting about this is, one, Ken actually has a reaction. I was like, oh, my God, they let Seth Rogen actually act for a moment. Well, in this group of episodes, they remember Seth Rogen's in the cast. Yes. I did notice that. Yeah, Seth Rogen actually, like, is seen a lot more in these upcoming episodes. He did seem very much like an afterthought in the previous episodes. Yeah, they definitely remember he's on the payroll. And what I love is when the guidance counselor whips out a guitar and starts singing, everyone looks horrified, (laughs) but Nick can't stay that way, and he just starts, like, playing the air drums. Like, yeah, all right. You almost feel like this could possibly be what happens to Nick. Mm-hmm. And, like, after the episode six, you almost start to feel like that would be the good ending for Nick, is to become, like, this kind of character. Yeah. Because they, they haven't offered Nick much in the way of a future besides that. Uh, he then excuses the freaks from the office, but he stops Lindsay and says... You're not one of them. Because she's an overachiever. We actually do get hints throughout these four episodes that she is still doing schoolwork. She's still doing well in school. So she hasn't really fully committed to being a burnout and hanging out with the burnouts. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting and something we really didn't get in the first six episodes. Of like, what is Lindsay doing? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So she... uh, Ross is worried about Lindsay, and then we kind of go to a family dinner at the Weirs. Yes. And Lindsay gets a birthday card. This is weird. This is the sole mention of it being Lindsay's birthday. Yeah, no one else gets her anything. Yeah, like, we don't get the impression that she's doing anything with her family. It's never brought up from any of the freaks. Right. Or Millie. Yeah, Millie doesn't even do anything. We don't see Millie anymore in these episodes. And Mr. Weir wants to force them to stay home Friday night and play a game called Pit. Yes. Which is a stock trading game. Yes. Now, the Friday night, immediately before or after what is ostensibly a 16th or 17th birthday. Yeah. That's what a kid wants to do on their birthday, play Pit with their parents. And she is given $300 for her college fund. Yes. Now, I'm... uh, We had done the math of what $50 would be last episode uh, when they left her $50 to buy food. Right, right. 
So I just wanted to, essentially her aunt sends her a thousand dollars. Hmm. Like I did the inflation, I just used the US inflation calculator. Yeah. It's the equivalent in 2022 money of a thousand dollars. Right. So her aunt sends her an incredibly generous amount of money for her Mm -hmm. college fund. And this is 1980 college. Yeah. Before college like became inflate, like this is back when you could work your way through college. Yeah. On minimum wage. So this is a good amount of money for a college fund for a Lindsay. Right. So I wanted to kind of set up how much money $300 really is. So we're, are we going to do the same thing about the freak and geek if, splitting the storylines? I think that's a good idea. So we're going to stay with the freaks. Okay. So the next time we see the freaks, they're talking about a band they want to go to. Yes. And Kim is excited because she has a fake ID. Right, and she's bragging about it. So she can go to the bar and go see this band, and it's fine. She's got a fake. And Daniel, Nick, Ken, and Lindsay all don't have fake IDs. And Lindsay offers to lend them the money. I have the note here, I hate Lindsay. Yeah, Lindsay's going to blow her college fund on fake IDs to see a band that she's actually never heard of. And she's going to spend... I. This is going to sound a little bit... I could see if she was blowing 50 bucks on one for herself. Yeah. But she's going to also buy them for Daniel, Nick, and Ken. Yeah. Ken is really never seen being nice to Lindsay. No, not not once. So, we have that, like, that moment. And we also sort of have them trying to figure out whether Lindsay and Nick are together. Because she kissed him in the previous episode, but they're not really going out. They're in that nebulous between. Right, right. That is a very high school place in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Where you're not really still friends, but you're not together. And really what you are is gossip. Yeah. Uh, And I remember really liking that stage in high school and college. I didn't date much in high school. Right. So most of my relationships spent most of their time in that middle ground. Right. The nebulous. Because usually I would last about a week with a guy and then be like, ah, I'm out. I don't want to go that way. And so I did not tend to last very long in high school relationships, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to influence how I feel about Lindsay in some of the coming episodes. Right. It, it's only going to help Lindsay. Right. So, Nick is way more into Lindsay than Lindsay seems to be into him. So, Lindsay is walking around and Rosso, like, bursts out of the hallway and has Ivy League brochures and immediately, like, goes after her and he kind of says, like, well, otherwise, let me know when you're in jail through the college program. Like, a zero to 60. There's no middle ground. This is 1980. Not everybody went to college. You could be... In a fairly, uh, you know, middle class life without a college education at this time. Yeah. And like, it's a bit too strong for a guidance counselor to not only be saying this, but saying it in the hallway. Like, I'd understand if like, the kid had, like, this being said, like, on the teaching, uh, the, the cheating on a test episode. Where they were in private and, like, they're being intense to try to, like, get a confession out of them. But, like, in public, to publicly say that to a, a student who, like, legitimately might cry 
if you said something like that to him. Also... It's a bit wild. Also, the optics of an older male figure attacking a 16-year-old girl. Yeah, it's it's definitely jarring. I guess 17-year-old girl, because we can assume she's had a birthday. Mm-hmm. That no one else knew. Yes. Uh, so they get their first round of fake IDs, and they're terrible. Cause, well, uh, first off, they get them from... Gideon Gordon Graves. Gideon Graves, uh, Jason Schwartzman, who plays Howie. Yeah. In this great scene where he works at like a men's warehouse. Yeah, he works at like a weird, crappy mall looking store. And he's like, okay, I got a shipment coming in from Canada. I'm going to try to find people that look at you, let look like you. Let me memorize your faces. Oh my God. And he, st- he puts his hands on each of their face and just goes, okay, brown eyes, brown hair. Brown, brown eyes, eyes brown, brown hair. hair. Brown eyes, brown hair. Got it. <laughs> it's like, no, they're they're very much three different people. <laughs> oh my God. So funny. Yeah. It's, Jason Schwartzman is in this episode for maybe 15 minutes. Yeah. And he's the best. So funny. So when he shows up at the school the next day with these, uh, these IDs, they don't look like... It, any of them. And they also say that they're like 29. Yes. <laughs> Instead of being like 21, which is what you want. Uh, so, uh, Lindsay gets a refund. Yes. Because uh, she's not paying for this. Except for Ken. Yeah. and Ken's like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. And Ken, it must be said, is Hispanic. Yeah, he's Jesus, I think. Yes. <laughs> I think I'll go with Jesus. Yeah, I think someone else's was East Asian, which is where I got yeah. that. So, uh, Howie says no one in Canada looks like you, <laughs> which is especially funny when you remember that Seth Rogen is Canadian. Is Canadian. Yeah, it's a good joke. It's a good, like, insider joke. So, Lindsay remembers that Millie's cousin was like a rabble rouser, and he makes fake IDs. So they go see Millie's cousin Toby to get better ones. Yes. And he's super, super creepy. He is. He is super creepy. He is also the drama teacher from Community. Yes, he is. And Lindsay agrees in front of Nick that she's Nick's girlfriend as Toby makes awkward passes at her. Yes. We also see this great moment with him and Daniel. Where Daniel's, like, chatting about how Toby's making the fake IDs, but, like, very much like, oh, this is how you do this, huh? And Toby goes, oh, it's way harder. You can't just buy a laminator. You need to, like, have a business. Because the idea being that Daniel kind of just thinks anyone can do this. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the truth being, he could. He's right, yes. But this guy is protecting his business. And I really want to point out what's happening here. He has a giant fake ID, uh, like, whiteboard that you stick your head in that he then takes a picture of. Yeah, because Millie's cousins can't can't sleep with Lindsay, he decides to overcharge uh, Lindsay and Nick. Yes, because he he was giving them the friends and family discount when Lindsay didn't have a boyfriend. Right. So uh, they kind of have that moment, and there also is a moment where Kim is looking at the fake IDs, and we find out that Daniel is eighteen. Because he's been left back twice. Yeah. Uh, Kim sees his actual ID. 
And thinks it's a fake. And thinks it's a fake, but he's actually 18 because he was left back twice. He's 18! And I do what I want. But there's also a really interesting element of he's 18 and could theoretically drop out without any... Oh, they never even discussed that. That's my thought. Yes. Oh, if he's 18, I'm surprised he's still going to school. Well, you and I discussed that off mic of like, why is he still there? What Kim's, Kim's reaction to this is, oh my God, I'm jailbait to you. And then they make out, yes. which is, ooh, uncomfortable territory. It's definitely a 16-year-old girl who thinks that she's grown. Well, because I also then have the thought, well, if you're 18 and you hate school, why are you at school? Yeah. Is it to be with this 16-year-old? This is going to look bad in court. See, I thought it was one of those, like, he doesn't really know what to do with himself otherwise. Right, like, he definitely doesn't seem like the guy who would, like, well, I guess I'm going to go work at the supermarket. Yeah. Uh, I understand that, but, like, at the same time, it's just strange to me that it's not discussed. Yeah. You know, at all of like, well, would it, well, just do something else then. Like, yeah. like he's bad at school, but is just still kicking around. There are a hundred reasons why he would not drop out of school. We should know what it is at this point because it's weird that he hasn't based off of his actions. Right. So they get to the bar where this band is playing and... There's a moment where the bouncer makes jokes to Jesus, who says he's shaved his mustache. Yes. Uh, passes through Daniel and Ka- and Daniel and uh, Nick. Yes. Uh, accepts Kim's fake immediately, because Kim, yeah. we have established, has a good fake already. And never cards Lindsay. Yeah, Lindsay doesn't get carded, and she's, like, disappointed. Uh, she... This is also the only time they had Linda Cardellini wear visible makeup. Oh, really? Yes. The DVD commentary says it's the only time she wore makeup, but we all know that's not, like, true. Right, right. It's the only time the character was wearing anything more than no makeup makeup. Right, right. So, the band comes out, and the song 18 by Alice Cooper starts. And the lead singer is Mr. Rosso, the guidance counselor. This is so funny. In oh, that, absolutely. Why are they... How did they get excited for this band without knowing this information? Reputation. <laughs> That's all they had at that time was, oh, I've heard this band is really good. Because you've got to remember, that's what there was at the time. Yeah. You couldn't go and research a band just because you'd heard of them. You were just kind of going like, oh, my friend saw them and she loves this band. So I've heard they're great. That's all you had to go on was hearsay. Yeah. And if your friend from another school saw them, they don't know who Rosso is. Yeah, I guess that's true. Nick is still into it, it must be said. Yeah. Everyone else is a little freaked out. Nick is all about it. Uh, and then... They all decide to capitalize on their fake IDs and order beer. Yeah. That's very important to what happens next. That's so dumb. And as the beer's coming out, the guidance counselor says... All right. 
Hey, everybody. I have got a great group of hard-working rockers behind me right here, and I'd like to introduce them all to you. But uh, first, we have some special guests in the audience I'd like to introduce. All the way from McKinley High School, we've got the key members of another smoking band we like to call Creation. Daniel Desario, Ken Miller, Nick Andopoulos, uh, Kim Kelly, and their manager, Miss Lindsay Weir. Give him a big hand. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, Sue. Hold on. I can't let you serve our guests plain old beer. Why don't you bring them some of your finest pop on the house? So they can't drink, but they're all given free sodas. And, like, me and Laura were looking at this like, I think the moment I saw the guidance counselor there, I would go, oh, I shouldn't now order a beer. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think they order the beer before they realize it. Oh, You're, yeah, I guess that's true. But I would have just been like, I want to see this band. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to push it. Yeah. Especially, like, one of them logically should not have drank. Yeah, that's true. One of them logically should be prepared to be driving. Yeah. Because they could have gotten away with it if they hadn't ordered a beer. Yeah, they could have just been like, yeah, we heard it was your band, we wanted to be supportive. And then he would have, they could have gotten some, like, goodwill with this guidance counselor that's always on their back. Yeah. But no, they had ordered drinks. The fools! Yeah, I think you and I could be a little bit troublemaker in high school, but you and I were a little cleverer about it. Yeah. Uh, one just small thing that we skimmed over that I need to bring up yeah. is uh, the men's warehouse that they go talk to Jason Schwartzman at. Yeah. The manager is Joel Hodson from yes, he is. Mystery Science Theater 3000, and I applauded. You were super excited. <laughs> yeah. Joel! I'm um, a Joel guy, not a Mike guy. Don't worry. We, uh... This might not be the last time we see Joel. In Yay! <laughs> so let's go back and talk about the geeks now. Yes. Because uh, this is one of those episodes where the storylines don't interact at all. Not at all. There's a couple where they do, and we'll handle those episodes a little differently, but I think mm -hmm. it's a little cleaner Yeah. in an episode like this to just go freak storyline, geek storyline. So here's the geek storyline. Uh, there's a new girl in school, Ooh. and she's pretty, and her name is Maureen Sampson, and when the geeks show up to lunch one day, she's sitting at what is usually their table. Yes. And she asks, offers to move, and they're like, no, 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 stay. Yeah, stay, girl. And she chats with them, and they end up uh, exchanging, like, gory stories. She's like, oh, yeah, my teacher shot somebody. Apparently, if someone breaks into your house in Florida, you can shoot them. I was like, oh, this was filmed in yeah. 1999. Yeah. Yikes. So they're really, they, they bond instantly. She's kind of like one of the, she kind of fits in with the boys. But she's got one of those problems of, she fits in with the boys, but she's still very pretty. Yeah. And she comes in to set that droit. By Billy Joel. This is a real Billy Joel heavy episode. Yeah, there's a lot of Billy Joel in this episode. But only when it applies to Maureen. Yeah. Because they also play Rosalinda's eyes mm -hmm. over the next sequence 
which is they are launching Bill's gigantic model rocket. Yeah, so they want to, like, befriend this girl, so they, they decide to do bottle rockets with her. So yeah. they all brought their own bottle rockets. For... I thought they were only launching Bill's gigantic one. No, there was a couple, because a couple of them work, and they run out and catch it, and then Bill's... Oh, Bill's doesn't. Bill's doesn't. It's not the size. Yeah. So... We also get this moment where Sam blows off Cindy, his longtime crush. Yeah, it's, this is a great moment because it happens very like quickly and organically. Yes. It's just the four of them walking down the hallway, and Cindy says hello to Sam, and Sam just blows her off. Yeah. And I was like, that's all you needed to show to tell this exact story, where it's like, I've moved on because new girl pretty. And so realistic yeah. to high school. Of like, you were absolutely in love with someone. Mm-hmm. Until Mr. Next came along. Yep. Uh, super guilty of that in high school. So the geeks are bickering over which one of them gets to ask Maureen out. Yeah. This is a bit... This this gets a little gross at times. Yes. Uh, they end up picking out of a hat. Yeah. And Bill gets to pick out of the hat and picks his own name. And then there's a conspiracy that he spit on his. Yes. So that he could just feel that it was wet. Yeah. But there's no, like, resolution to that. They're like, no, but Bill also won, so. Yeah, like, Bill does not suffer for this choice at all. So, Bill is going to ask out Maureen. So we see uh, Maureen talking to Vicky. Yes. And this is terrifying to... Our, uh, our three protagonists here. Yeah. Because they're like, oh my God, if we lose Maureen to the cheerleaders, we will never see her again. Yeah, if she makes other friends, essentially. Yeah, so they panic and they're like, oh my God, what are we going to do? How can we stop this from happening? So they're trying to figure out how to stop that. And we see Eli, who we haven't seen since the pilot. Eli pops in out of nowhere. And Neil tells Eli that Vicky doesn't think Three's Company is funny. Because Three's Company is Eli's favorite show. So then Eli goes and bothers Vicky about it. (laughs) He's going to have words with Vicky because Three's Company is so funny. So... No, I... Excuse me. Three's Company is the best show on TV. Oh, oh... Really? Yes. The rover don't want Jack living with two girls because he doesn't want any dirty stuff going on in his, in his, in his apartment building. And Vicky has no idea why Eli is doing this. No. And while distracted, Sam and Bill swoop in to take Maureen away. And, like, it must be said, Vicky is nice to him about it. Like, mm-hmm. Vicky's not like, go away. Vicky's like, okay... Like, yeah. she's awkward, but because she has no context at all. To her, someone has just come in to speak to her about why Three's Company is funny, apropos of nothing. Yes, but this is also the second episode we've seen Eli, and the second time he's been immediately weaponized for social gain. Yes. Awkward. Yes. Not great, Bob. So... We have that little, like, moment, and they decide the groups are going to take Maureen out on Friday night because she's been invited to a party 
at Vicky's house on Saturday night. Yes. So they need to make the best impression they can on Maureen on Friday night or they're going to lose her forever. Yes. So they're going to take her to an all-you-can-eat rib place. It's it's like a fogo de chow, like like a meat buffet. Yes, but less fancy. Yeah. More Midwestern. Mm-hmm. And it's so obviously what a high school boy would consider the height of culture. Yeah. Because they talk about, like, don't fill up on bread. Yeah, they go in with a strategy. And in a moment I really enjoy, they are complaining about how uh, they purposely have slow service so your brain can learn it's full. Yeah. Because what you want to do is keep eating until your brain realizes it's full. And they kind of yell at the waiter about this. And the waiter goes, Good evening. Welcome to the Iron Horse. So, I hear service here is really bad because you don't want us to eat much. What? I don't own the place. I don't care how much you eat. Are you sure? No, actually, I'm a millionaire and I just do this for fun. Really? Hey, we just we just want our money's worth. I'll bring them faster than you can eat them, but I want a 20% tip. Yeah. And they're like, deal. Which is such like a kind of cool thing. Yeah. Uh, it's a bro move by uh, the waiter who is David Keckner. Yes, and it's David Keckner. <laughs> and there's a great moment on the DVD commentary where they're talking. They're like, yeah, David Keckner's got a new movie coming out this summer. You should all go support him. Uh, go see Anchorman. It might be good. <laughs> yeah, like, I just, I wanted to tell you how old this DVD commentary was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because they're excited that David Keckner's gonna be an Anchorman. But I also just want to point out how good writing this is because... This is also something a waiter would do when they see four young high schoolers sit at their table. Like, yeah. I'm going to establish early what tipping is. Yes. <laughs> so, like, th- there's a lot of realness in this scene that I super appreciate. Absolutely. We then get a montage of them eating ribs. <laughs> yeah, and, like, she is game. Yeah. She is Woofing down ribs with them. Yeah, they're all laughing. It looks like it's fun. I believe Billy Joel plays. Yes. And they're having a great time. And the geeks are really worried about seeing Maureen again. And there's a little moment where they have... They're standing waiting for their parents to pick them up. And we also find out the geeks split Maureen's part of the bill. Mm-hmm. They don't take money from Yeah, it her. is a big date. And there is a... It's so funny because there is pan-fried bass as the yes. special of the day. And we see Maureen mess with the chalkboard. Yes. And the wide shot, you see that it says pan-fried bass. And yeah. then another wide shot, you see what she did. Right. But in the narrow shot, it says pan-fried butt. Yes. She, she erased the B. Yes. And, and made it pan-fried ass, rather than erasing ass and then taking chalk and writing butt. Yeah, I'm guessing there was a sensor issue. Yeah, I assume. So, they have a great time. She wants to do it again soon. And the next time we see the geeks, it's Monday. And Maureen is about to sit down with the geeks, and Vicky invites her to eat with them. Yes. And she's like, do you mind if I sit with them? And then she offers the geeks to come sit with her and Vicky. 
Yeah. And they refuse. Which I feel like is one of the truest moments of being a high school geek is we've... I don't know if this ever happened to you because you went to a very different kind of high school than I did. Okay. Where you look back and realize that you othered yourself in a lot of ways. Well, I don't know if it's them othering themselves because you could definitely interpret it as them like othering themselves. But simply... Like, in their hearts of hearts, what they feel is just happening is Maureen is new and doesn't realize they are not welcome to sit with the cheerleaders. Like, the idea that Vicky could go, these are my friends, and have them sit down at the cheerleader table, like, it could fly for a day. Yeah. But, like, they would be ousted eventually. And there's also the damage of if they keep their distance, they might be able to still see her. If they are seen with her and Vicky can, Vicky then could have a reason to step in and say, don't hang out with them. They're geeks. Yeah. And Vicky's so much higher on the food chain that they're making themselves targets. I I think about it in the gendered way because I did this a lot where I'd be like, no, I don't want to hang out with like. The pop. I don't want to force myself on the popular kids because no, they don't like me. I'm a geek. Mm-hmm. And then my senior year, I did the pep rally. I like did the senior girl skit, and every one of those girls was super nice, had no problems with me being there, no drama. And I had a moment. And this is obviously my senior year of high school where I went, oh. I could have been friends with these people the whole time. Yeah, I, I would say I had a kind of a similar situation in that. Like, I had my table of my friends that I sat with at lunch. And then one day they decided that they would double up the tables. So now, like, my table was actually combined with another table. (sighs) And we're like, I guess we're just sitting together. And it was fine. (laughs) And it didn't, didn't cause any problems at all. So, like, I guess I had a similar experience. Like, I was a drama geek, but I was a surprisingly liquid kid as far as, far as like, I could talk to anyone. Because I remember I worked with two of the more popular... I was an AP English. And this is something that, like, I think is very common in high schools, but is not treated as common in high school media. Our popular kids were smart. Right. There's always that trope in media that, like, the cheerleaders and the jocks are not very bright. Mm-hmm. That really wasn't the case in my school. Like, I took AP classes with cheerleaders and football players and geeks and drama kids and music kids. Like, it was a regular breakfast club situation up in there. Uh, I'll, I'll tell a brief story that uh, it, there wasn't, like, an echelon. Yeah. I'm sorry, did you have more? I was actually in the middle of... Uh, the one time I worked with a couple of the cheerleaders, the only time that the work mostly got piled on me was when we were doing uh, a unit on absurdist drama. Okay. Because they were trying to make it make sense. And I was like, I will have this project written in 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Just leave me be. And they were like, why is this good? And I was like, because I just stream unconscious word vomited because that's all this is. That, yeah, that's what absurdist is. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, because you guys actually were trying to make, you were trying to work. Right. You didn't need to work that hard. Mm-hmm. And I think because they were very hardworking people. They had never learned how to be kind of creatively lazy. So that's what I brought to the table of that yeah. project. Creative lazy. Yeah. yeah. That's very breakfast clubby. Yeah. Like, I have a surprise talent. Let me show you how to be lazy. That, that was what I brought to the table. 
I was Ally Sheedy that day. Well done. Brava to you. All right. So, episode... You were telling a story. Oh, yeah. I'll tell the story real quick. Um, in my school, it, there wasn't, like, the tiered hierarchy as much because it was a Vokey. Mm-hmm. And it was the theater kids, the dancers, the business kids, the computer kids, and the transportation kids, which were all kind of like the outsider groups. Yeah. I I guess the dancers were more of the popular ones. And instead of there being like this, like big hierarchy of like, like a pyramid of stuff, there was just one person on top and her name was Holly. Uh, Holly was this just blonde dancer that like... She looked exactly the way, like, who you would, who would you, you would cast as, like, the popular girl in a high school. Okay. It's exactly what she looked like. And on top of that, I believe she was, like, student council president because she read the announcements. There was, and because we were, like, a Vokey school, we had, like, a tech film department. So, the announcements were the Brent and Holly show. Like, they had a logo with their names on it. And, like, sometimes she couldn't be there. So, my friend Maria would fill in. And she'd be like, hi, I'm Maria. And welcome to the Brent and Holly show. (laughs) And. Wow. Uh. She she had to resign in disgrace because of something she said in the announcements. Because they threw to something that was like a, a special announcement from the cheerleaders. And she said something like, stupid cheerleaders taking up all my Holly time. And people got upset and she had to like resign. Wow. Uh, but years later, I went back to my high school for like an alumni thing. And they asked me to do stand up, which... If your high school asks you to come back and do stand-up, don't do that. No. That is, that is not a good situation. Like, go go perform in front of the people that gave you the damage that made you the person you are. And, uh, and they're like, okay, uh, Noah, you're going you're gonna to do stand-up. Uh, first, Brent and Holly have some announcements to make. Oh. I was like, no! Way! Oh, <laughs> and I sat weird. there and Brent and Holly started and then they brought me up and I was like, guys, it's been 10 years and I had to sit through the Brent and Holly show again. <laughs> I got a big laugh. That's the end of the story. <laughs> I, Our morning announcements were done well. by like our media tech group. Nope. Brent retro- and Holly show. Who retroactively, all emo kids. <laughs> Because the first, like, 30 times I heard Dashboard Confessional were over the end credits of our morning announcements. Guys, 20 years ago, uh, high school announcements. For Justin is not the end credit song of the morning announcements. It's about a dead person. Oh. Ours, ours was Reliant K. And theme parks are so much more fun when the sun's outside. It was a Christian rock band. Uh, for the record... I love Brett and Ollie. <laughs> Those were their real names. I did not change them. So for the record, in case somehow this gets back to them, Brett and Ollie were awesome. For the record, I'm still making fun of you emo kids at my high school. I was part of them, but I'm also making fun of them. Episode 8. Yes. So this is over the song. We're going to do the Freaks and Geeks separately again. Yes. This is Girlfriends and Boyfriends is the yes. name of the episode. 
And we open on the song Whipping Post by the Allman Brothers. As Lindsay is walking through the school, looking upset at all of the couples making out. And this is one of the times the music is well, really, really, really well used in the show. Mm-hmm. Because this scene was shot around the song. Like, they knew what song they wanted to use. And so there's a lot of good camera work and choreography in this. Yeah, I thought the Billy Joel was done well. Yeah. In the previous episode as well. So Nick is trying to be kind of cagey about whether they're dating or not. But Lindsay is so clearly not into it. Yeah. And Millie confronts Lindsay and goes like, freaks only date freak girls and freaks go all the way. Yeah. So kind of, you know, stigmatizing that certain kinds of people will be expected to have sex when they date. Mm -hmm. And Lindsay points out that Millie is a boyfriend and Millie goes, yeah, but Tommy goes to church. Yeah. So implying that like, if Lindsay was dating a different guy say, the jock that we meet named Todd later on, Millie wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. It's because Millie thinks Lindsay might be dating Nick Andopoulos. Mm-hmm. Rosso uh, checks in about the new Rush album, and he checks no. in about Nick. And I have to point out, his fixation on this particular girl is now getting weird. Yes. And I, I can kind of excuse it in that it, we could believe that he does this for a lot of students. And, and we just not, see him do it to her. But like, this is the scene where Rosso oh is trying to explain the importance of like protection to Lindsay, which mm-hmm. I understand is awkward. Yeah. And tries to like hand her a pamphlet, which like, okay, I get that. And then confides in Lindsay that he has herpes. And also, I have herpes. Like, I met this girl. She seemed really nice. We danced a bit. I kissed her. One thing led to another. And now I get sores on my lip once a month. I have herpes. I feel like discussing your venereal disease... With a 17-year-old girl? With an underage girl might be sexual abuse of some sort. Like, I'm sure he can get in trouble for this. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. There's never been a time where I'm like, you know, I definitely think this is something I should discuss with a random high school student. Yeah, like, I get what he's trying to do, but this is awkward. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So... Uh, my next note... Actually, uh, my next note is, can I please go now? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly, like, Lindsay's uh, response to it. Literally verbatim. This is the perfect episode for Linda Cardellini. She... It is literally an hour of Linda Cardellini silently reacting to stuff with her eyes. And Linda Cardellini... I will say up, down, and sideways to anyone who will listen. Linda Cardellini earns her money for this show. Oh my God. She's so good in this one. She is so amazing. And this might be my favorite episode of her acting. Mm-hmm. But like, oh, it's my favorite of a lot. Linda Cardellini. There's a lot of things I could say about the show that I have mixed feelings about. She is none of them. Yeah. Only good things. I don't always like Lindsay. But <laughs> I always like how Linda plays her. Yes. So there's this next scene. Can I please go now? 
Well, you're, she walks out of the frying pan and into the fire. Because now she has to talk to Daniel. In the study hall. In the study hall. And Daniel is way too intense about them dating. Daniel's like, he's a really great guy. Yeah. I know. Nick's a stud. Yeah. And I was like, did Daniel have sex with Nick? Like, how do you know this, Daniel? Did you have sex with him? Can I, can I ask you a question about uh, how you've interacted with girlfriends of your male friends? Sure. Have you ever done this? Um, I've... No. God. Have uh, you ever talked to the girlfriend uh, or potential girlfriend of one of your male friends? Um, I, I've never talked to the girlfriend of one of my friends and expressed his sexual prowess. Okay. Uh, there may have been a time where uh, a friend of mine was playing strip pool with his girlfriend. What? And was too drunk to be successful at it. So I tagged in. <laughs> so that's, that's my wing manning, I guess. All right. <laughs> anyway. What? So then, no, no, no. Explain what's wrong with what I did. Um, so then Daniel is weird about... Uh, he's like creepy to a teacher and like jokingly hits on a teacher. And she just goes like... He's like, yeah, I'll see you after class. Are we going to do that after class? And she just looks at him witheringly and goes, be still my beating heart. Yeah. And I love it. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a good... Like just don't, kid. So Nick asks Lindsay to hang out. She mentions like, oh, we can go to the movies. And he wants her to come to his house because his parents are going to be out of town. Yes. So this is like the trap in Lindsay's mind of like, they're going to have, they're going to have sex. And Lindsay's definitely afraid of that. (laughs) We get a great scene with Nick and Daniel. Yes. And Nick goes like, oh, did you hear Daniel? Your girlfriend got an A on her world civ test. Wait, no, no, that was my girlfriend. My girlfriend. Hey, your my girlfriend, girlfriend got, got detention for flipping off the math teacher. No, wait, that was your girlfriend. And then Daniel goes, yo, did you hear that my girlfriend got punched in the chest really hard? And then he punches Nick in the chest and goes, wait, that was you. Nah, that was you. <laughs> and Nick goes, it was really hard. <laughs> In that very perfect, like, Jason Siegel way. Mm -hmm. And we see Lindsay and Millie talking. Oh. I hate this scene so much. What? I love this scene. Not the part with Millie. I hate this part of the scene. Lindsay turns in her test, and the teacher goes, Lindsay, it's a test, not a race. And if it were a race, Millie already beat you. That is the most mixed message I've ever heard. So, like, I'm sorry that I was... I was someone who usually turned in their test pretty quickly. And it used to drive me nuts when a teacher commented on it. Yeah. Like, wow, you were done fast. That's too fast. But also not fast enough. Yeah, what? Like, what? <laughs> so Lindsay asks Millie to talk. And Millie kind of does that, like, why? 
gives her the why would you buy the cow when you can get the milk for free speech. Oh my god. Which would be terrible coming from a parent, mm-hmm. but it's so hilarious coming from a peer because it's something you can just... It's also hysterical coming from Millie because, like, it's kind of a filthy metaphor. Yes. Like, it's not so much this, like, no, because it's sacred or it's for God. It's kind of like, why buy the... Like, (laughs) I always think, to get slightly off topic, uh, that is a line from Red versus Blue. Okay. That I always loved. I'm not going to get married. My dad always said, why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? Hey, rookie. Did you just call my girlfriend a cow? No, I think he called her a slut. <laughs> and like, so I always laugh at that line. To so then hear Millie say it. Uh, I hate how much I love that line. <laughs> no, I think he called her a slut. I think he called her a slut. <laughs> That's honestly quite funny. Um, so there's also uh, Nick sends a red rose to Lindsay's house. That says, can't wait for tomorrow night. Yes. Wait. W-A-T-E. Yes. Nick cannot spell the word wait. Also, I... And Linda Cardellini works some overtime with that reaction. See, I wasn't sure it was Nick. Because when she receives the single white rose, I went, oh. Tuxedo Mask is here. Oh, bud. <laughs> Perhaps Linda Cardellini is Princess of the Do you really want to bring up tuxedo mask right now? I just did. Guys, we were in GameStop earlier. No, 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 no one from the podcast was there. <laughs> so I don't know how this is going to translate. I held up a thing with tuxedo mask and went, who is this, Noah? And he said, Joker from Persona 5. We were in a GameStop. I pulled it out of a display of Sailor Moon items. I was busy paying. You weren't there, audience! But roast him anyway. Anyway. Anyway, my joke was really good from earlier. So can't wait for tomorrow night. So Jean also later sells Lindsay out for getting the red rose from to Mr. Weir, who gets upset despite the storylines converge for a split second here. Um Sam appears to have some success with the lady. We'll get to that later. And Mr. Weir is proud of him. But his two years older daughter may have a boyfriend. He's upset about that. He's upset about it. So she tells them it's Nick. And they momentarily don't remember Nick. And then, thank God, Mrs. Weir goes, wait, is he the boy that ate all of my fruit roll-ups? Yeah, continuity. So they remember a thing. Continuity has taken place in this show. Write it down. And Mr. Weir tries to forbid Lindsay from seeing Nick. And Jean gives him a withering, honey. Like, don't ban her from seeing her boyfriend. Right. So then we find out Mr. Weir lost his virginity to a sex worker in the red light district of Seoul, Korea during the war. (laughs) One day, I uh, went into Seoul on a, a weekend pass and went to this bar. I had a few too many, and I 
followed a couple of my buddies to the red light district. Your father's first time wasn't special. <laughs> and Linda uh, Cardellini continues to work overtime. Yeah, to, to react to things beautifully. They actually, the filmmaker, or the showrunners did say, you could always cut to Linda during a yeah. shot. Because she was always doing the right thing. She's such a good actress. Like, she was always doing the best possible thing for what you needed in that moment. We get to Friday. Kim is, like, all over Lindsay, giving her crap about how it's tonight's the night. Ooh. And uh, Lindsay goes to Nick's. He awkwardly answers the door. He set up the basement with candles. He puts music on. And Lindsay's like, no, no, no. Oh, it's happening. It's happening. But then something scarier than him seducing her happens. He doesn't want to rush things. That's a mistake he's made before. He just wants to hold her. And he talks through the lyrics of the song Lady by Styx. Yes. Noah collapses in on himself like a dying star. Th- this is one of the biggest cringes I I had. This might be the worst cringe I had. It this is. Entire... This is the first time I make the note of you folding in on yourself and visibly wanting to I, die. I legitimately took my t-shirt and pulled it up over my eyes. And I was like, I'll just hide in here for a minute. Because it is so awkward. And Lindsay actually gets to the point where she says, You want to make out or something? Do you want to make out or something? Like, the idea of just being like, I will have sex with you. If you stop if you talking. stop right now. And then there's... And then you stared at me, because I could not stop laughing at the sequence. Like, I full-on hyena laughing. And you were like, are you good? This was me in high school. Like, oh no, please do not ask me to commit to anything. My God... Please don't. So Nick says, everyone wants to have sex. I just want to hold you. And there's this moment where they fall back on the couch and he's just kind of cuddling her. And she's looking into the camera and her eyes are screaming. So like, I, I, I know we're really harping on it, but this episode... She's incredible. It's so good. Linda Cardellini is silently screaming her head off. Yes. Oh, it's so well done. It's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And it's it's just so funny. She's so deeply upset by her circumstances at this moment. So. Back to the beginning. Woo, back to the, because. We gotta talk geeks now. Yeah, we're gonna hit the end scene after we talk about the geeks because uh, we actually get Sam and Lindsay interacting, which doesn't happen in most episodes. Right. So. Uh, Sam's back to liking Cindy. Yes. Because Maureen is gone. Maureen has... Va- yeah. Just as a note, as far as we've seen, Maureen's actress does not appear again. Which I think is a great, like, visual uh, symbolism of like, yeah, she's gone. She might as well not be there anymore. So they have a biology project and they're getting assigned lab partners. And Sam is desperately hoping to get Cindy. Mm-hmm. Bill gets Cindy. Bill gets Cindy. And Sam is with a kid named Gordon Crisp, who is stinky. Yes, and heavyset. Yes. Uh, and I, I do hate this because this is one of the few heavyset characters we see. Yeah. And it's 
it ultimately does try to subvert this, but since we see so few heavier characters, it really, this episode especially, leans into the uh, fat people are smelly yeah. trope. They do back out of it. Yeah, but they we do also, some good things with him in this. I like this character. But we don't see another heavyset character at this point in the show. Yeah. So the only heavyset character is smelly, and I don't love that. So Cindy is inviting Bill to go to her house to work on the lab. And Bill is a giant jerk to Sam about it. Like, Bill is just giving Sam crap about, like, he gets to go to her... Cru- he gets to go to Sam's crush's house. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be best friends. And then Gordon is at Sam's house. And Gordon is sitting on Sam's bed. And you can just watch Sam dying inside. Yes. And I am very possessive about my stuff and my space. And I have, like... Mm-hmm. I'm one of those people that does kind of get the, like, this is contaminated and I can't touch it again. Yeah. Uh, So I could feel Sam dying inside. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, like, I don't allow street clothes on my bed. Yeah. I don't, like, I take off my shoes in the house. Like, I'm very, like, no, no, no. So I'm watching Sam die inside. Here's a quick horrible story. Oh, Uh, no. When I was a freshman in high school, my roommate was the smelly kid. No! Uh, He, he, his nickname was Slovak because... He was from Slovakia, which turned out to be a lie, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> In any case, uh, Slovak was the smelly kid, and like I would like smell, I would like spray his shoes when he wasn't around, and all that other stuff. Uh, and then I went home for the weekend, mm. and when I came back, I noticed a stain on my bed. No, and I was like. Dude, what happened here? Because I assumed he had a party because he had been known to have parties and something happened. And he went, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. Your bed is just so much more comfortable than mine that I slept in it when you weren't here and I spilled Chinese food. So not only was he sleeping in my bed when I wasn't there, he was eating in my bed when I wasn't there. Slovak, not cool. Not cool. I would, like, I would have legitimately lost it. I have not used your real name, and I will not say you were cool. Unlike Brett and Holly, who were sweet people. I febrezed my roommate's bed. Same. With her in it. <laughs> just, I'm just picturing her waking up like... <laughs> what was that? She didn't. Shh. Uh, my mother was in the room. I was, like, leaving to go out for the day with my mom. She'd come to, like, take me out to lunch. And I was cleaning up my room. And there's stuff that's fabric in a dorm yeah. room. Like the chairs that you yeah. can't clean. So I was breezing the chair, breezing my rug. Like, normal stuff. And then my mom walks back in. My door's open because my mom had gone to the bathroom. And my mom walks in to see me look at the Febreze, look at my roommate. And my mom barely has time to go, no. And then I was just like... Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just as guilty of that. So, uh, Gordon then borrows Sam's pencil and is immediately gross with it. He puts it in his ear, he puts it in his mouth. But he, he like chews on it and, but Gordon turns out to be like a nice kid. Yeah. Like he immediately says like, you didn't want to be my lab partner. You wanted Sydney to be your lab partner. And Sam's like, yeah, how'd you know? It's like. I'm, I have eyes. Yeah. <laughs> you have a crush on her. Here's what you do. And yes. like, 
tries to like be a bit of a sage to Sam. Yeah. It's like, yeah, join her after school clubs. This way she has to see you more. Yeah. Duh. Wow. What a great idea. And Bill is with Cindy and he's looking through her stuff while she's downstairs getting a snack. Yeah. And she has a book about the Muppets. Mm-hmm. And talks about how she doesn't eat junk food or watch, watch TV. She comes up with like a crudité platter. Yes. Uh, she doesn't watch TV except for the Muppet Show. Like the queen she is. Yes. So the, she does not watch TV except for mm-hmm. the Muppets. Which means Eli has some strong words for her. Right. Uh, because it's not Three's Company. Not Three's Company. So she gets up and the chair makes a fart noise. And she blames the chair. Yeah. Stupid chair always does that. She goes downstairs to get them lemonade. Mm-hmm. And then in a, a scene I genuinely really like, mm-hmm. Bill gets up, sits down in her chair, and keeps trying to get up to make the chair make the noise. And the subtitle literally says, no sound. No sound. <laughs> Which cracks me up. No sound. So the next day at school, Bill is freaking out like she cut the cheese. She cut the cheese. Oh my God. That's not funny. I heard it, and I swear. She blamed it on the chair. She cut the cheese. Cut the cheese in front of me. And they're like, no, no, she didn't. So they're they're kind of like convinced she didn't. But Bill is like freaking out about how she definitely cut the cheese in front of him. So uh, Sam joins your book. And Cindy proposes the diary entry of a McKinley student. It is cringy 14-year-old poetry. Yeah. And I decided to do an experiment. And I looked for my cringy 14-year-old poetry. And then I died inside. Ooh, would you like to share? No! Okay, I tried, no. gang. My God! Uh, I tweeted about it uh, with the Maya Rudolph horror reaction. <laughs> because it is... It, but it read. This cringy diary entry is authentic. Yeah. It's such an I'm 14 and this is deep. Poem. Yeah. And by looking at my own cringy 14-year-old poetry, I can speak to the authenticity of this. Yeah. Bonus episode. No. No. You know I have those folders password protected on this computer, right? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. These are my deepest and darkest secrets because they're deeply humiliating because they're so bad. So they are going to sell ads for the yearbook and Cindy is paired with Sam. Cindy then tells Sam she's on her period, which is such a strange... I I miss that. Which she says like, I'm sorry that I'm really grumpy. I'm on my period this week. Which in the 1980s was not like a... Periods were very taboo until very recently. Yeah. So this is the first time this isn't going great for Sam. Mm -hmm. And so they go to Mr. Weir's sporting goods store. And he wingmans for Sam. Oh, yeah, his dad. He buys a full page ad. And there's a moment where Sam, where he turns away and we see Mr. Weir's face, but not Sam and uh, Cindy. And Mr. Weir just kind of smiles. Like, yeah. Like, oh, I'm helping my son who's into this cute girl. This is going great. Uh, and then he can't, <laughs> but he can't like get Turn off the business side of him. The business part of him. And he's like, why don't you guys split up? You'll probably be done quicker. And Sam wants to kill his father. <laughs> yeah. Sam murders him with his face. And Mr. Weir tries to walk it back. 
Like, actually, actually, you know, a good team is the best salesman, of course. It's it's so true of like, oh, that, that. so they split up and Sam's then miserable. And uh, the next day at school, uh, only Cindy was able to sell her complete quota of ads. And Bill is still giving Sam crap. But then Bill's like, yo, Cindy said you were the nicest guy in school. Yeah. The geeks decide they're going to go to the movies and see Airplane. And Sam suggests asking Gordon. And Bill suggests to tell Sam, that Sam, tell Gordon he smells bad. Yeah. And Sam tries. And then Gordon goes like, look, I know I smell. It's a medical condition. It's genetic. My mom calls it a gift because it weeds out the jerks. Yeah. Like, nice people don't say anything and and jerks go away. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, what a... What a kind of, like, cool thing. And then he's like, well, do you want to come see Airplane with us? Which, by the way, great film. And he's like, sure. So, as soon as that conversation happens, and, you know, Sam and Gordon agree to go see Airplane together, Cindy asks Sam what he's doing after school. And they're going to meet up at a fast food place after school, and Gordon lovingly teases Sam about it. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god. This is wonderful. Like... It wrapped up real nicely with Gordon. Like, there was some fun with Bill and Sydney, but then, like, Bill had good information for Sam. This is great. The kid got a win. I love to see how this will progress further on, but what a lovely note to end on. And then there's more show. And as soon as another scene starts, I screamed, Oh no, there's another scene. Something horrible is going to happen. And that's the correct reaction. So Sam is hanging out with the real Cindy, who loves junk food. She's had that veggie veggie tray in front of Bill. Yeah. But she's eating like a whole burger. Like, yeah. Because she's a 14-year-old girl. Yeah, she's rebelling. And also, like, 14-year-olds can put away a lot of food. Very true. And we always kind of see that trope applied to boys. Mm -hmm. I was a 14-year-old girl once. You'd be surprised what we can do. Yeah. Uh, and still be relatively in good shape because teenagers just go through a lot of calories existing. True. So they see a group of jocks chatting and then Cindy confides in Sam about how much she likes Todd. A guy on the basketball team. And later that night, Lindsay and Sam are talking in their kitchen and Sam had to watch TV with the Weirs all night. With the their parents and he goes she wants to be friends i don't need another friend i already have two friends sam has become a big meme uh for this Mm -hmm. his stank face at the you have a beautiful body sequence Mm -hmm. uh but i've seen a lot of i don't need another friend i already have two friends and my next note is okay gordon harris yeah you guys do not make the cut as friends so cindy calls also what's her name uh, Maureen. Maureen, you don't exist anymore. So then Cindy calls the house to talk about how much she likes Todd. And in another thing I've seen memed to death, uh, Sam tries to hang himself on the phone cord. Yes. And then Lindsay listens in on the call and then looks at him with the tasty cake she's eating and goes, bah. And like <laughs> in a very like organic brother-sister moment. Oh, yeah. And then that's how the episode ends. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to kind of be like, oh, look, they actually did have a moment where they're doing the same thing. Yeah. Episode nine. Episode nine. We start in Nick's basement 
Nick is hanging out with Lindsay. I like to think that they were just stuck there from last episode. (laughs) (laughs) They had not moved. She has not been able to leave. Um, And he asks if she ever thinks about heavy stuff. Hey, Lindsay. Do you ever think about heavy stuff? Heavy stuff? Like death or the meaning of life? Well, yeah. When my grandmother died, I was pretty depressed. I took it pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I knew that you were like me. I know this is to establish that Nick is, like, not the best boyfriend. I like to think it was Nick going, ep, 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 no continuity. <laughs> we are not referencing previous episodes. That's kind of what it, it does feel like. Him going like, no, 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 no. Uh... What if not? This needs to be about me. Please. Yes. So we have that little like funny, cute moment. And Nick wonders where John Bonham is. And which is also continuity. Like, yeah, I actually had the moment of, is this the same screenwriter as the pilot? Yeah. Because this, it, in the first scene, they bring up two things we haven't seen since the pilot. Mm-hmm. And so Lindsay looks through some old photo albums and Nick used to be an adorable little athlete, but there's a girl cut out of a lot of the pictures. Yeah. And we find out this is Heidi Henderson. Mm-hmm. And so the next day at school, Lindsay asks to talk to Kim, and Kim is delighted to drag her away. Yes, because they're friends now. Yes, because in this, Kim Kelly is my friend did happen, whether it yeah. aired or not. And she's worried that Lindsay's pregnant. <laughs> and... Lindsay says, like, look, Nick is really intense and always stoned, and this is not working. And Kim goes, you want me to beat him up? I'll beat some sense into him. And I was like, I I forget every episode how much I like Kim as a character. Yeah. And we find out that Nick went berserk last time he got dumped. Yes. Her words, berserk. So uh, Kim's definitely like, Lindsay, just don't break up with her. Yeah. Please, we can't go through this. Meanwhile, they made regionals. Yes. It turns out the school made regionals. And I was like, finally, something I can understand in a high school show. Regionals. Why is everybody always talking about regionals? Uh, but what comes after regionals? <laughs> but There's a lot of jokes about, about Glee, but from the community episode <laughs> yeah. of Regional Holiday Music. Which, if you're listening to our show, I feel like you're in the TV sphere enough to be getting these references. Uh, But in any case, uh, in this case, instead of it being the Glee Club, it is basketball. Yes. And, you know, the basketball team's doing really well. And uh, Daniel says, oh, I hate jocks. They're just a bunch of monkeys. Foreshadowing his future film career. Huh. Why? Planet of the Apes. Is that James Franco? Yeah, he's the one that cares for Caesar. Ah! I don't watch a lot of James Franco movies. All right. Um, so, Nick sneaks up to Lindsay's window in a f- intentionally shot and lit like a horror film. Unbelievable. She is facing us and away from her window. And we see a hooded figure approach her window. And because of this is the style of show it is, we kind of figure it's Nick pretty quickly. Yeah. But... It takes her a minute. Yeah, it felt very Christian Grey. It felt more Edward Cullen, which is what Christian Grey is a takeoff of. True. But it does feel like he's watching a teenage girl sleep. At least in Fifty Shades of Grey, she was technically an adult. Yeah. So 
he coerces her into going to the back door to talk to him. And he clearly thinks this is romantic. He's like, I had to see your face. And Linda Cardellini has no line there, but works overtime. Yeah. Her eyes do enough. And it's like, all right, well, I'm going back to bed now. And, and you're leaving. The next morning, she confronts this girl who's in her Spanish class. And we find out this is Heidi, Nick's ex. And Heidi warns Lindsay that Nick is crazy. You better ditch him. He's crazy. What do you mean? Breaking up with him was like a nightmare. He started stalking me. He broke into my house. He got in this insane fight with my dad. Oh, God. Lindsay's now good and freaked out. That night at their house, Nick calls the house looking for Lindsay. And Lindsay begs Jean to like, say, I'm not home, say, I'm not home, say, I'm not home. And Jean's like, oh, she's out with her father. I don't know what they're doing. Like, Jean, solid yeah. mom in there. Yeah. Because uh, get you a mom that'll lie for you. Yeah. Well, she doesn't like lying. Yeah, but like, get you a mom that'll lie for you. Because uh, my mom had the failsafe of, I was allowed to throw her under the bus if I didn't want to do something. Right. I was always allowed to say, oh, my mom said no. Right. Because my mom didn't care if my friend thought she was cool. Right. That makes sense. So she was always the get out of jail free, like, oh, you can always just tell them I said no. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing this is. Jean gives her daughter some really good advice about breaking things off. Like, you know, if it's not working, don't string him along. Don't string yourself along. Break things off. So Lindsay's going to go call him right now. But he picks up the phone and she loses her nerve. And so this is before caller ID. So Nick thinks it's Ken. Yeah. And screams at Ken. Like, Ken, are you going to say anything? And the subtitles say, doofus voice. Because he kind of sounds stoned. Yeah. And I think she refuses to do it while he's stoned. Right. And Gene goes into Mr. Weir. I never, I don't know his his first name, so I've just kind of been calling him Mr. Mr. Weir. Mr. Weir. And she is ecstatic that her daughter has trusted her. Yeah. Thrilled to death. And the freaks are speculating about how nuts Nick is when he gets a girlfriend. Yeah. And then I have a note, hey, Ken's in this episode. And Nick tells his side of the story about the Heidi thing. Yeah. About Heidi took the poetry he wrote her and was like giving it to people to laugh at him. Mm-hmm. And so he broke into her house to take them back. Yeah. And so it kind of made sense. And then he kind of explains that he's like real sensitive about girls now. Yeah. He's really insecure about relationships. During this, uh, we miss the scene where the freaks are sitting on the car and a bunch of jocks from the rival high school yeah. throw paintballs at Welcome C-plot to the mix. So they throw a bunch of, like, they throw stuff at them. They throw a bunch of water balloons that they hope are not full of pee. Yes. And they find one, the freaks find one of their cars and write, you know, you suck. You suck, spelled U hyphen S-U-K. Yes. I and Kim refuses to do it because I'm a girl. Because I'm a girl, yeah. Which is a funny, like, Kim bit. Because Kim has never done anything because I'm a girl. She just doesn't want to get her hands dirty in this right. situation. Metaphorically, not physically. And they come out, they accuse, the jocks come out and immediately accuse Kim of doing it. And she goes, Daniel, kick his ass. And then the other jocks come out. And Daniel says... Tell my mother I love her. 
<laughs> just, I love the way Ken looks down and raises his fists up. And like, I'm fighting. <laughs> this isn't gonna go well. So uh, the Jacks beat them up, and now they're super into the basketball game. Because they want to see the, uh, they want to see them get taken down. Yeah. It should be noted that earlier Ken said something like, I want to go to the game because we'll probably lose and I like it when the jocks cry. Yes. But now they're like, we hate this school. <laughs> Let's beat them at basketball. So Mr. Weir has been trying to impress Lindsay with who his friends are in the in town. Yes. So he calls Lindsay over to introduce her to his Pillars of the community friends. Yeah, it feels very much like uh, Bob Vance, Vance Refrigerator, and the the council that they have in uh, Scranton. Yes. The, the five owners or whatever. It feels yeah. like that. It really, really does. And so he like introduces them to a school council member and the owner of Stan's Motors. Yeah. And the freaks come over and talk about like, crimes they committed in front of Mr. Weir and the Pillars <laughs> yes. of the community. And the dad pretty much dismisses Lindsay. <laughs> Why don't you and your friends run along now? But Nick isn't with them. Right. So Gene comes over to Nick and oh, has no. a conversation with Nick that makes him realize that Lindsay has told Mrs. Weir they have broken up or are breaking up. Yes. How you holding up, huh? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I am so sorry about everything. You know, Lindsay really does care about you. She told me so last night. She just feels overwhelmed right now. She needs her space, you know? Uh, this is the most awkward I am. This is what I most cr- fell into myself because Lindsay never had the talk with Nick. And now Mrs. Weir is comforting Nick, thinking the conversation has happened. So yes. this is how Nick is finding out. That he's getting dumped. Nick kind of freaks out and runs away. And then Lindsay walks over and goes, why were you talking to Nick? She's like, I was comforting him after your talk. And Lindsay, what a great line. Mom, did you break up with my boyfriend? And then she tells her mom, like, stay out of her life. Very right. teenage. And so Lindsay goes to talk to Nick. And Nick says, like, I think we've been spending too much time together. I think we should take a break. And she agrees. Yeah. He, he's been really slacking on his drumming. And I just flashed back to college uh, when a guy asked me for a break. And I mentioned it in front of one of my floor mates, a man we will call Jay, which is his real name because he's a great person and I don't mind name dropping him. Yes. Great uh, person, Jay. Just like Brett and Holly. Yeah. <laughs> You're really afraid Brett and Holly are going to like come She's find you. She's so popular. <laughs> it's social suicide if I make fun of Holly. So uh, I just remember Jay going, oh, honey, a break is, you're done. Yeah. And then being like, what? Because <laughs> I... Was not very smart about relationships in college. So I just, I do remember that moment of like the euphemism for break and how it really does mean a breakup, but you're trying to soften the blow. Mm-hmm. So we see a shot of Nick like crying in his car and Lindsay crying into Jean's shoulder about it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because now she's been the one who was broken up with, so it stings a bit more. Yeah, and she also kind of didn't get to do it on her terms. Yeah. So she feels weird about it. She doesn't feel good about it. So she's upset. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to go back to geek time. Because that's yeah. the last we see of Lindsay in this episode. And, uh, oh, yeah, back to, back to geek time. Uh, geek there was something time. else I was going to say, but we can, we cover it in geek time. So back to geek time. Geek blah, blah, time. Blah, 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 blah. Cindy is decorating Todd's locker. Mm-hmm. Because of the big basketball game. And... Todd doesn't really, Todd seems very neutral towards Cindy. Like he doesn't dislike her, but he's not like into her. And they're watching the little lunchtime pep rally. And we meet the Norseman, the deeply horrifying mascot of McKinley High. I'm going to be real. I think I've seen this episode before. Yeah? Because when I saw that, I was like, I know exactly what's going to happen. Sam's going to become that mascot. Neil's going to take over as the mascot and be bad. So I I don't know how I could have seen this. I don't know if it replayed perhaps on G4 for a bit. Probably. I feel like this did play in a lot of places. But I definitely feel like I rewatched or rewatched. I stumbled upon this episode on like in syndication at some point. Cuz I mean, once you see this Norseman, it's burned into your retinas. Yeah. There's no there's no... No. <laughs> anyway. Uh, the mascot is getting roasted by Neil. And Coach Fredericks, Biff, yes. uh, he's back and he's talking about how big of a deal it is. He kind of does the exposition dump for this episode. And he introduces the team captain, who is Todd, and he thanks Coach Fredericks and God in that order. Yeah. The mascot falls off a table... Breaks his arm Falls and is concussed. through a table. By God, he's broken in half. And so they need a new mascot right before the big game. Sam decides to audition. Yes, because him and Bill believe that Sydney, in a subliminal message, was like, Hey Sam, I'm just hanging this up because we need a mascot, was her asking Sam to do it. And he would get spend more time around Cindy. So, uh, we then get to mascot auditions, and we meet Herbert, the mascot before Sam. Uh, an important note before we get to the actual auditions mm-hmm. is Neil's going to sign up to be a to, to audition. Yeah, because he had a lot of notes. And, because he's like, the mascot's never funny. And Sam was like, please don't sign up because I want to do it so I can spend t- time with Sydney. And Neil's like, no, I'm going to be the mascot because I'm funny. And then Sam says, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You are my only hope. And he's like, ah, you hit me with the Star Wars. Fine. Like, all he had to do was quote Star Wars. And it was fine for him to drop out. But in the most supportive friend thing I had ever seen in my life, the two of them go to watch mascots auditions. Yeah. Which, I don't have a friend that good. No. I do not have a friend good enough to watch me audition for a mascot role. I'm going to be honest, I wouldn't watch you audition for a mascot role. Yeah, and you're, you're, I only have two friends. And like, that should tell you something. (laughs) No, just no. So we then meet the original mascot, 
Yes. He's named Herbert. Yes. And I jump out of my seat and yell, cannibal. And I react with, I don't think Army Hammer was in this show. No. Which wasn't me trying to be clever. It was me legitimately not realizing that this is played by Shia LaBeouf. Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Eating all the bodies. Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. So Sam wins the mascot. Yes. Audition. He, he wins the, the auditions and uh, he's going to be the Norseman. And when we see them practice, Vicky, the head cheerleader, is mean to Sam because he's not learning the ropes quick enough. He asks to wear the head to get used to it. And they're still fixing the head from when Herbert fell. Yeah, so he can't. Because the head is $600. Mm-hmm. And so Cindy and Sam are like complaining about Vicky. And we're about to have the game. Like, we fast-forwarded to being right before the game. And Todd goes to try to talk to Cindy, but Fredericks calls him over instead. Yeah. Noah is folded up in a sad cringe ball. Yes, I am. At this point. So the head is heavy, and Sam realizes he can't see very well in the head. And he's kind of wandering around, bouncing off the walls, because he can't quite navigate himself around. And through this giant, horrifying mascot head... He sees Todd and Cindy talk with her against the wall and him kind of like leaning on the wall in that very high school way. Mm -hmm. And then he sees Todd kiss her. Yeah. Cindy is the most excited and the most happy. Her crush kissed her. Like, this is the literally the best thing in the world when you're in high school. Oh, we we forgot one small thing that happened right before this. There's a moment where Cindy confides in Sam that she doesn't have a crush on Todd. Oh, yeah, in this hope spot? Yeah. She's obsessed with him. It's like, oh, why break his, break his heart again? Because that's how the show works. So there was a moment of hope, and now Sam is completely crushed. And uh, Sydney is so excited to tell her best friend, Sam, oh. that her crush kissed her. And <laughs> Sam's just like, Todd's a jerk, and he's stupid. And he and doesn't like you that much. He doesn't even like you. And he, Runs away. And then now he's ultimately very wrong. Clearly, he does like her. And Sydney's like, you were wrong! Yay! Yay! So, we're in the locker room. So, the, everyone's getting ready for the game, and he's uh, Sam is talking to Bill and Neil. Like, Sydney kissed Todd, it's over. I'm not being the Norseman. Yeah. Because why bother now? Because Sydney's gone. Somebody has to do it. And Neil seizes the opportunity. Yes. And takes the costume from Sam. And Neil will live out his dream to be a funny mascot. Yeah. So the game's about to start and everybody runs out. And since Sam is not being the Norseman, he's alone in the locker room when he hears vomit noises. And it's Todd. He's freaking out from the nerves and the pressure. And Sam and Todd talk a little bit. And we find out that Todd's not a jerk. Yeah, Todd, Todd like, is... compliments Sam's mascotting. You're that new mascot, right? Yeah. You know, you're really funny, man. We saw you doing the funky chicken. We were all cracking up. Thanks. And he's like very nice and very just... He's just a nice kid having a tough time. It's kind of a more nuanced look at the jock prototype. Yeah. Meanwhile, out in the uh, game... Neil is super overstepping as the mascot. Yeah. He's very funny, but he's not doing anything right. He's going on the court when the game is still happening at one point. 
He's like, annoying the cheerleaders. Yeah. Vicky hates him. Vicky's gonna stab him. And she keeps going like, you're dead, Weir. Yeah. You're dead, Weir. Because they think it's Sam. So there was a point where Sam had to go do the human pyramid with the cheerleaders. And Herbert gives him the advice to not pull on their hair or their bra straps. Yeah. Uh, because you'll they'll fall. They'll fall. Neil does everything he's told not to do. He yeah. accidentally grabs a girl's bra strap and she goes, that's my bra strap. And he goes, no, it's a team's bra strap. Yeah. And that's a bit of a gross line. The girls fall. Yeah. And when he falls, the head comes off and Neil is found out. Yeah. And McKinley still wins and Todd makes the winning basket. Yeah. So for Todd, this is a good story. Yeah, yeah, Todd gets a. I was like waiting for them to lose, and then they win, and Daniel's like, way to go, buddy. Yeah. Like, because now he's got school spirit based off of hatred. And Todd got the girl, won the game. Yeah. Todd and Cindy had a very nice high school story. <laughs> yeah, it's very lovely. Uh, Herbert, who was concussed and his mother was refusing to let him sleep, is passed out in the bleachers. He's passed out, so we assume is in a coma, if not dead. Um, Bill compliments Neil on being the funniest mascot. Yes. He, and the show ends with Neil getting his ass beat by a group of cheerleaders. Being murdered by cheerleaders. Which, to be entirely fair with how hard those cheerleaders had to work. Yeah. And how completely Neil undermined them. They should be beaten his ass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All this, right. This is the closest to, like, a win that we really get. I will say this run of episodes was a lot more fun. Despite the fact that for Sam and for Lindsay, it is probably the most devastating episode. It was still the most fun for the audience. Yeah. Because it's not just endless misery. Yeah, we get to see Neil has his moment in the sun that gets him murdered by cheerleaders. Which, what a way to go if you're a high school boy. You know? <laughs> yeah. So that was episode two of Freaks and Geeks for us. Yes, yes. This is the second episode of Stay Doom's coverage of Freaks and Geeks. Anything you just want to say overall about our halfway point? We are exactly halfway through the show. I will say the second group felt a lot better to watch than the first group. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they had to do kind of a second pilot, it, it was kind of like the show was more refreshed and like... There seemed to be a nicer, like, just through lines in terms of writing. Like, the the repetition of I'm 18 in that episode. And, like, the importance of age in all those, like, stories. Of, like, getting a fake ID. Daniel's actually 18. The guidance counselor being older and trying to relate with them. Like, it, there's nice, just, like, little story beats that, like... That one's a very congruent episode. Everything fits together inside of itself very nice. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of just, like, great stuff in this one. Um, I would say at this point, there's sprinkling of continuity. Mm-hmm. But my biggest fear going into episode 10 is that we open on the freaks just hanging out and nothing is awkward. Yeah. That's, that's going to be an issue for me. But I definitely have enjoyed this part. Yeah, I've definitely enjoyed these episodes more than the previous episodes. So, so like, for me, this is feeling, feeling like, okay, like so many other shows, uh, it has a weird run at the beginning. Yeah, 
and but gets better. It's finding its legs a little bit better, and it's becoming a little crisper in terms of its comedy, in my opinion. Like Agreed. Everything's kind of landing a little bit better. So join us next week where we'll be watching more Freaks and Geeks, available on Hulu. Yep. Where can people find us? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And if you are Brent or Holly, you're a real cool person, and you can reach me at Plus Two Comedy. Desperate, desperate. I'm really desperate. Um, if you were also not great at the whole commitment thing in high school, I'm at Bean Bunny Lives. Until next time, stay doomed. <laughs>